Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe McGranahan is diametrically opposed to me on the other side of the table and inside his tent with extra oxygen turned on today. It is the 28th day of July. Did you knock the helium back a little bit? Oh, did I? <laughs> Too much. Okay, sorry. It is, uh, let's see, the 28th day of July 2020. So we're well over halfway through uh, this year so far. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check him out at sunburymotors.com. we got a guest lined up and ready to go. We'll introduce him in a moment. But if you have a question for him, you can email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. With that, on the news line is U.S. Congressman Fred Keller. Of course, we know him as Fred from Kramer, PA. Still available at a fine local breakfast restaurant locally for those who need one-on-one interaction with their U.S. Congressman. And he covers a wide territory, all the way up to the northern tier and down to the s- southeastern part of, uh, well, I guess, south-central portion of uh, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Congressman. Thanks for calling in today. morning, Fred. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Mark. How are you guys today? Hanging in there, buddy. How about you? We're doing great. Uh, your voice sounds a little better. than You must have adjusted the oxygen yeah, he or took, helium or whatever. He took the helium no. out of it. He, <laughs> he likes me to blow up balloons while I'm in here. <laughs> we got to get a little side gig going there for Joe. Uh, well, we just saw you on Fox and Friends, and you made some really strong points about uh, what is going to be needed in the next, of course, we lay people call it a stimulus package, and, and what can't be in it if we're not going to try to further injure our grandchildren. So give us a status update on the uh, negotiations, the Republican plan, and what the Democrats are demanding, and so on. Well, with, uh, with what we've seen uh, the leader lay out, and, and the things that are that I look at in this that are really hit the mark on what we're doing is the paycheck protection for some of the uh, the uh, sectors that have been particularly hard hit, like our restaurants here in Pennsylvania, going from fifty percent. Now the governor has this his uh, one-size-fits-all mandate, having them down at 25%, uh, which is a real struggle uh, for, for some, some people that are just trying to, uh, you know, make a, make a living and so on. So uh, that, I think, is, a, is an important part, that there might be some paycheck protection available for them. Uh, in addition to that, um, looking at the flexibility on the, uh, the money that was sent to the states that they were to drive down to the, to the county and local governments, uh, the, uh, the 39 a billion dollars that, that Pennsylvania got right into the state treasury. Uh, they're still sitting on 1.3 billion of it. Uh, but the, the, the uh, my understanding, what happens is that that we would give more flexibility to the money that's already down at the the, the local level. And once the states have a plan and have driven out 25 percent of the the total, uh, then they would have more flexibility in what they're doing. So I, I think that makes sense. Uh, because it, it hits two things. It gets flexibility, but it also makes sure that that money doesn't get locked up in state governments and it gets driven out to uh, uh, to, to some of the intention of it, which is the, 
to help the, uh, the local governments. So th- those are some things that I think are, are really important. Uh, I know there's been some sticking points when it comes to, uh, you know, the uh, uh, direct payments uh, out of Treasury and also the unemployment compensation benefits. And the one thing is the best stimulus that we can have is a job. We need to make sure we incentivize, uh, you know, or or put policies in place that help businesses and and their teams get their employees back to work. Uh, That's that's what people want to do. I mean, I've been traveling around, uh, you know, since things have opened up. I've been able to be back up in Susquehanna and Bradford and, you know, Clinton and Tioga and Potter and, you know, I've been in the different areas down in Juniata and Perry and Mifflin counties, uh, you know, talking to people. And uh, they really want to get back to work. Uh, that's what they like doing. That's what they want to do. And we, we need to put policies in place that allow us to safely reopen our economy and give the assistance targeted where it needs to go. Fred, I understand about the $600 being an ultra incentive, in some cases for people not to go back to work because they were doing better on unemployment. But now they're talking about cutting that down to 70%, which roughly 200 bucks. Why, why that number? Why not 75 or 80%, something that, you know, is closer to what they got, but not enough to incentivize them not to work? Well, I, I think when you look at what, what's happening with this, and it, it, you're looking at uh, them being able to do that. And again, this is the starting point. Okay, Joe, so let, let's, all, let's all take a look at that. Uh, whenever anybody starts negotiations, uh, I don't know if you do it when you go to buy a vehicle and they have the list price on there. You don't offer them, you know, that list price. You know, there's a little bit of give and take and negotiation on this, and and I think maybe we're going to s- settle somewhere in between that, which would might be reasonable. But uh, here's the whole thing too: uh, when you're not going to work, you, there's certain expenses that you do not have. Uh, so you know, should it be as much or more than when you were working? You know, you can have that discussion, but you know, people want to get back to work. But um, so, so I, I look at that, and all the st- states are different. I mean, unemployment benefits uh, state by state. Uh, some states are give forty five percent, and in some states give more. And one argument we were hearing was, well, that's just too complicated. I think the speaker put that. It was just too complicated for people to figure it out. I mean, if you look at how we already figure out. Um, percentages of what people make and so on. We collect income tax. We already have uh, the unemployment compensation. So so when people say, oh my gosh, unemployment benefits are going to end. No, they're not going to end because you already have unemployment benefits. It's that additional amount on top of the benefits that are already available. So you know, let's make sure that we're talking. And Mark, you, you and Joe, we've, we've had these discussions over the years. Let's make sure we're talking in, in, in real terms with actual uh, uh, figures and facts rather than saying, oh my gosh, unemployment's ending. No, it's not. Unemployment is not running out. Uh, the, the additional $600 is what we're talking about. We're not talking about ending unemployment compensation benefits. And I've seen some articles with that, and, and the headline is unemployment benefits to expire the end of, uh, the end of July, <laughs> which, which is not true. Okay, so uh, the, the biggest, the best thing we can do is let, let's be talking in what's actually happening in actual terms and not going for a headline on anything. Well, I was very much opposed to the earlier bill because it had so many things in it that weren't related to helping people from the pandemic. Now well, I understand. You mean, you mean the speakers? The speakers' uh, heroes act that yeah. had, uh, uh, wanted to federalize elections when the Constitution says that you know the states are to, to run the elections. And, yeah, I keep and, hearing. Uh, and we already and we already gave four hundred million dollars to assist with with 
states being able to effectively, uh, you know, uh, conduct safe elections. It had uh, $50 million in it for environmental justice. It had uh, grand, more grants to the arts. Uh, it had uh, more more uh, state and local money with strings attached to it. So yeah, there were a lot of things that had nothing to do with uh, with coronavirus. And that leads me to my point, which is I understand the Republican bill has $1.5 billion for new FBI headquarters. What? <laughs> that was on the news this morning. Is that true? Well, we have not seen it. There's been a lot of talking points, so that might be something somebody wants to include in that, because I haven't, we haven't seen the text of the bill yet, but we've seen all these pieces that people want to put into it. Uh, again, what we do, what we do needs to be focused on recovery from the coronavirus and not a whole bunch of ancillary things that get put into it. And here's the perspective of it. We've already spent $3 trillion. We're talking about another trillion in a Republican bill, which, again, once I get through all of the um, the details on it, then I'll make the decision on 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 whether the the, the benefits of it outweigh the things that the, that, that we would consider uh, would would not be would not be beneficial. But when you look at this, we're talking about another trillion dollars. The entire federal budget to run the entire federal government is a little over four four trillion dollars. So we will have appropriated, if, if we do another trillion, about what it takes to run the entire federal government for a year. When will we pay on top that? Of the normal, on top of the normal appropriations process that we've been going through, because last week we voted on the National Defense Authorization Act, which was 730 or 750, uh, you know, billion dollars, and... So you know we're already we're still we're still working on 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 the regular appropriations. So we need to really focus on addressing the issues. And in my humble opinion, taking a look at it, there hasn't been any state that's expended all the money that's already been appropriated under the CARES Act. So we should go back and look at where that money is tied up, why it's not getting to where it needs to get to, and make sure that money gets driven out. Right there, you used to be a deficit hawk, and of course, necessity uh, changed that when you got to Washington D.C. In what way are you monitoring the deficit? You just mentioned it, but uh, how are you addressing that and making sure that that's brought up and talked about? And you're big on future plans to make sure these things get paid down in the future. Well, that that has not changed with me one bit, and and you made the point there, Mark, that when we got into uh, this pandemic. You know, because last year uh, I looked at the spending, and, and there's things that I, I brought up and, and looked at, and I didn't support the uh, uh, the bills that, that that we did last fall uh, for the reasons uh, that you know I've, I've laid out over the years. Uh, and again, not opposed to funding what we need to fund and getting things done, uh, but as you mentioned, we had this we had this pandemic, we got hit by the virus, and we needed to do things to help Americans, and that, that's that's our first first and foremost. We need to take a look at you know the American people, um, you know the the families, uh, the workers, and make sure that they they have the resources to weather the storm. Now, having said that, we did we did, and I did support the CARES Act. Were there things in that that I wasn't wild about? Yeah, absolutely. But again, going through the legislation, making making the decision, yeah, the benefits and and the situation we're in outweighs the things that you know we're in it that I didn't like and. 
as again, I didn't have the, the, the pen to write it myself, so uh, it would have looked much different. Wouldn't have had all these other things in it for the you know the Kennedy Center and all these arts and you know right. things. Not that that's not important, but that's not federal money when we're in the middle of a pandemic that we should be worrying about. Let's talk about the, let's talk about the pandemic for a minute. This morning I was watching. I switched back and forth between the morning shows. I was watching Morning Joe, and of course they're so so far off the mark that it's ridiculous. But they were talking about how, on one hand, the president didn't act quickly enough to shut down the economy, blaming that on him, and then on the other hand, they're saying, "Well, the economy sucks because the president shut it down." We're doing the same thing with schools. You know, I saw this morning in a newspaper article saying that the state hadn't given the schools enough actual guidance on how to reopen, and the feds aren't providing the money, the additional money needed. How are we going to open the schools safely, Fred, and, and is the money going to be there to do it? Well, the, the, the CARES Act in Pennsylvania had about $523 million that went to elementary and secondary schools. That doesn't count what was appropriated to help universities and colleges, okay? So, so we had that in there already. Uh, CDC has guidance. The American Academy of Pediatrics laid out that we should be opening our schools, and why we should be doing that. So we have, all, we, we, we have people looking at this and looking at the signs of it and saying, yes, we can do it safely. We're starting to open daycares. We're starting to, to, to be able to do things. Um, so, yes, we should open our schools. Uh, I, I did see in, in the uh, outline of the, uh, the Senate bill, that uh, the HEALS Act, that uh, there was money there for education for schools. So I think we can get that, we can get that done. We just need to make sure that we're not doing things that are motivated by politics, and we need to be doing things that are motivated by good policy. And when you have people, on, as you mentioned, on, on, on these shows and, and politicians that say, well, he didn't do this well enough, but then bang him because he, you're on the opposite side of the thing. Hey, I'll go back to the speaker. The president early on took preventative and decisive action with his travel ban of people coming in from other parts of the world that were – and that's when he took a hit, okay, because they called him all kinds of names and, you know, said he was racist and what whatnot. And that's, that's everybody's favorite thing. To do. Not everybody's, but that's some people's favorite thing to do when, when they don't have a good policy or, you know, anything to stand on. They start calling names. And then while well, they were running around, uh, you know, speak, the speaker in, in, in uh, San Francisco saying nothing to worry about and, you know, mayor of New York saying and, – and now they say the president didn't act quickly enough. I mean – well, let me ask you this, Fred. Should there be have it both ways. should there be a federal standard for reopening the schools that everybody has to comply with? Otherwise, we're going by state by state and school district by school district. Shouldn't the federal government be providing the absolute leadership in this? I, I think there should be some basic guidelines, uh, and the CDC can put those out. But then you also look at, at what the responsibility is of the states. I mean, it's in our Constitution under, you know, Article Article 3, which is legislation. Uh, I think it's Section 14, that, that, that the, the Commonwealth has the responsibility to do that. And, and it can't be a one-size-fits-all because certain things in certain areas, schools that might see on growth might look different than schools in Philadelphia where they have much more of a problem with the pandemic. If you look at our cases, 40% of the cases in Pennsylvania are coming out of two counties of the, of the new cases. That's in the paper this morning. It's in the Daily Adams. 
All right, let's talk about uh, northwestern U.S. where protests are violent. Uh, both Seattle and Portland mayors say they don't want the federal troops there. Uh, what's your view on that, the unrest, the federal presence, and the uh, request to, to stand down from the mayors there? Well, the uh, the fact that the mayors aren't protecting the people, the, the function of government is public, one of the main functions is public safety, is it not? I mean... Public safety is an issue that should be the government. I, I'm a little disappointed that, that there are people, when you look at the autonomous zone in Seattle and so on, uh, the president sent people in to, to, to protect federal property and federal assets. Totally been in the scope of what he needs to do. He's, he's, he's keeping things safe. And, and people that are, are criticizing, when I was a kid, it used to be illegal to destroy property and burn things and, and do other stuff and ruin other people's property. I, I don't know what's changed where that's now okay. And here's what happens with these, these violent protesters. And not all protesters are. There, there, there's a certain group, Antifa and some of these anarchists, that are hijacking legitimate protests and drowning out the, the voice of the work that those protesters are trying to get, which is unfortunate for the people that want to see justice because they're being used and, and, and that's what should be being condemned These because we've seen it even around our area where people have been uh, peaceably gathering and you know opposing things and, and, and speaking up for, for justice and that's great that's, that's the American way but when somebody becomes violent and, and starts to destroy and other people's property and starts to harm people that's the government's responsibility to step in, and the president send people in uh, to protect federal property. They're being characterized by some of my liberal friends as stormtroopers and thugs, and Donald Who Trump's <laughs> the the, our, the our law military, the good people. That no, the law every day. The law enforcement people who are the president has sent into uh, those situations in the Northwest. Federal employees, right? Federal employees they're wearing calling, our uniform of our nation. Right. Well, they're thugs and uh, stormtroopers now because the left doesn't like them. These are the same people that the left oh. loved when they sent them into Alabama and Mississippi in the '60s to integrate the schools. No, but hold it. Let, let me let me get this right. What are the people that are that are throwing rocks and bottles and and, and exploding things that are hurting people? What what do they call them? Oh, they're good citizens, simply peaceful protesters. No, they're not. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you what they're calling them on the left. They're saying they're peaceful protesters. You, you know, uh, Joe, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's exactly what I would say. I mean, look at it. Uh, Let's. Are there people? Uh, you know what, what happened. What happened to George Floyd was unfortunate, and those those police officers need to be held to the fullest account of life, law. George Floyd should be alive. There's a message there that, 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 that you know things that can be done. But these people that are that are now taking advantage of that situation to to come against our country, um, you know, violently. You know, there's a lot of people that are supporting George Floyd that are doing it peaceably, and I support that. You know, get out, have your voice heard, do the things that we need to do. But the people that are that are that are destroying property and harming other individuals, uh, you, can, you can't just. It, it comes down to either you support our communities or you support mobs. The uh, you had an opportunity recently to vote for the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, make sure you tell our audience what was contained in that, what was in it, what wasn't, and uh, your feelings about that. Well, actually, one thing that was in it, which was a huge benefit uh, 
not just to PA-12, but to our national security, was, uh, it, uh, and it's, it's, it's a mineral, tungsten, uh, which China controls 80% of the production of uh, the world's tungsten. But we have a company uh, in Bradford County, Global uh, Tungsten and Powders, uh, that, that is in the business. That's uh, almost uh, almost 500 employees up in Bradford County, up in the north northeast. Uh, but I had an amendment that said, hey, let's bring that supply chain home because it's used in uh, tank shells, uh, you know, military uh, applications. So for the for our national security, it makes sense to bring that supply chain back to the United States, and we can do it. We just need to we just need to direct the Department of Defense to bring that supply chain back, and uh, uh, in doing so, it helps our national security, but also helps uh, helps the people of PA12 because there's we have a we have a business right up there that. Uh, that, that does that. So that was included in it, and I was glad to be able to get my amendment uh, in order and included in that when we sent it over to the Senate and it got approved. Um, but it also takes care of the military personnel. It's it's making sure that uh, you know we have the, uh, the the supplies and tools for our military to keep them safe while they're doing the jobs of keeping us safe. So it funds it funds the Department of Defense uh, and the programs within it. So it's. Uh, it was a good bill. It gives it gives a pay raise to the to the uh, to the soldiers and that uh, that keep us safe. So um, you know, without I mean, I could I could go on for hours of what everything that's in it. But you know, looking at it, it was uh, seven hundred seven hundred and some uh, billion dollars of of necessary appropriations. And I'm going to say there you can go through anything and pick out one or two things that maybe you'd do differently. But by and large, I thought it it hit the mark and. Okay. Uh, which was a decent bill to vote for. We have a minute left. Anything else you wish to add, an additional remark? Well, again, as I always uh, like to say, uh, people are outstanding. Uh, they're thoughtful, diligent, hardworking. PA-12 is a, is a, is a district full of great people. Um, just want them to know that if they have a concern or anything that we they think we should be working on, they can contact us at keller.house.gov. Send us a contact or call one of our offices. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know if there's something that you think we should be working on. Uh, we'll definitely uh, get back to you and we'll work on those things. People are great, and uh, I just am, am very uh, honored that I have the privilege to represent the outstanding people at PA12. Well, keep up the great work, Fred. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Well, and thanks for calling in. We always appreciate these availabilities. So thank you so much. U.S. Congressman Fred Keller on the line uh, from Washington, D.C., so we appreciate him uh, checking in occasionally and keeping us informed. We'll take a quickie break, and we'll be back with a wrap-up of this first segment of WDKOK's On the Mark. Trade in and trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia. From now until the end of the month, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you more. That's right, more than your car is worth. Take advantage of Kia's first ever trade-in assist bonus cash. Get an extra $1,500 on third row 2020 Serenos. There's 22 available with savings up to $7,025. SMC has an extra $1,000 on the versatile 2020 Sportages. There's 27 available with savings up to $4,655. Plus an extra $1,000 on the stylish 2020 Kia Soul. With 17 available and savings up to 44.24, the demand for quality pre-owned vehicles is at an all-time high. So stop in Sunbury Motors Kia for your upgrade today. Trade in, trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Retail trade and assist applies for model year 2000 or newer Kia or competitive model. 
Greetings. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. One of our good listeners takes us to task and says, we blew it. Yes, he does. He says, I am so sick of your show, podcast. You have idiots on that people listen to that talk as if they know what they're talking about. You need to fact check what they say. The CDC did not say to open schools. The CDC said that schools could be opened if there was not an active outbreak of of COVID-19 in the school area. I am, and then he uses a word related to some substance we won't mention on the air, that you have these people on that don't know what they're talking about. And you do not do any fact-checking. Sincerely. And he signed it. David, we'll spare you his last name. Hey, David, this is an opinion program. And that means it doesn't have to be fact-checked. It's someone's opinion. If they're right, they're right. If they're wrong, they're wrong. But we're in business of presenting opinions. And you decide whether they're telling the truth or whether their opinion is valid or invalid. That's what we do in this country. But did Congressman Keller characterize accurately the CDC's position? We have two listeners that say what the CDC is saying is that if there's not an active outbreak, schools can open in person. But if there is an active outbreak... they have, you know, the, the percentages to say empirically what an active outbreak is, then schools shouldn't meet in person. But everybody thinks that schools should be open. No, that doesn't mean that they are that going to open. Now, wait either. a second. Let me finish. That doesn't mean that they aren't putting caveats to that by saying, all right, they should be open, but only if it can be done safely. That's the caveat that's going to be behind every word that says you should open the schools. At least I think it is. Whoa. But my problem is that... Well, the, that's your opinion. Well, it is my opinion, and it's an accurate one, don't you think? But I, I listened very closely this morning. And there was a front page of the Washington Post said the schools must be opened. Here's why. And then they go down and list a group of reasons why. So even the Washington Post thinks we've got to open the schools because it's good for the mental health of the kids. Well, getting kids in school safely is the issue of our day. Amen. And we heard uh, one of our good docs say today on the radio that kids don't really transfer the uh, disease to each other the way adults do. So there's some more nonsense for you to consider. All right, we're going to continue with nothing but opinions during the 9 a.m. hour. This is WKOK Sunbury. That's a fact, though. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Welcome back. <laughs> Joe, Joe's welcome statement accidentally was put in capital letters, so every time he sees capitals, now he yells. Well, that's what they're doing when they type in caps. They're yelling at you, aren't they? Right. That's the way I was taught social media. One of our good listeners says, Joe is an idiot. <laughs> oh, really? Who just said that? Oh, no. They're saying Mark is an idiot. Sorry. Oh, Mark is an idiot. <laughs> I take it back. All right. Well, depending on who's saying it, we're both idiots to <laughs> well, somebody. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> each, to each his own. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. I'm ashamed to admit that we just realized we have some texts. We did not read them. Uh, at least some of them are addressed to the congressman. So we'll forward those questions on to him and let them uh, let him know uh, the questions that uh, folks had for him via text. 
In the news today, Pennsylvania's existing reopening guidance for schools is too vague, and superintendents and school boards need more specifics from the State Department of Health how to do it safely. So said a superintendent's group Monday. The superintendents asked for more concrete recommendations from the administration of Governor Tom Wolf as they make decisions on how and whether to welcome kids back to the classroom this fall. Quote, no tools have been given to school districts. Guidelines are best practices and suggestions and ideas. They're not specific recommendations, unquote, said Dr. Mark DeRocco, executive director of the Pennsylvania Association of School Administrators. And, of course, you will know him as a former superintendent at Lewisburg Area School District. Many school boards, he says, across the state plan to vote on the reopening plans in the next week or two. And public meetings held to discuss the details have shown the public to be deeply divided as to how to proceed. Dr. DeRocco said superintendents and school board members are being asked to make life or death decisions with little or no training or expertise and only vague guidance from the state. While restaurant, bar, and nightclub owners aren't happy with them, the Wolf administration is defending the new coronavirus-related restrictions recently imposed on businesses. Secretary of Health Dr. Rachel Levine says contact tracing data is clear about places where coronavirus have been spreading. We saw this very clearly in, in Allegheny County, but really throughout Pennsylvania, in every region, the increases are trending towards younger populations. So individuals that are 19 to 24, individuals in their 20s, 30s, 40s, that are particularly congregating in groups and particularly in restaurants, bars, nightclubs, etc. Levine says this trend has also been seen throughout the country and noted by the federal government, which has recommended that states target restaurants, bars, and other facilities where younger people gather. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. State Department of Health says there's just one new COVID-19 case in the Valley and the local hospitalization rate remains low. That one case was reported in Union County. Meantime, at hospitals, there's only three COVID-19 patients in the Valley right now, or as of yesterday anyway. Geisinger had two of them in Danville and Evangelical Community Hospital had one in Lewisburg. The Geisinger president and CEO Dr. J. Juan Rue says going to a crowded bar is not a good idea. Any large gathering, whether indoor or outdoor, where people are going to be near one another, that's a higher risk environment. And so I think with bars and restaurants in particular, if you're eating or drinking, obviously masking, that has to come off when you're eating or drinking. And people are congregated in an indoor environment, enclosed space. And oftentimes there are a lot of people there. Dr. J. Wanru did his news conference in capital letters last week. <laughs> uh, let's see. Sunbury City Hall and the city police department and the pool are closed after one city employee tested positive for COVID-19. The police chief Brad Harris says their officers are fully mobile with their cruisers and can continue to serve the city residents as needed. Residents do as they always would, call 911 or the non-emergency number. The mayor, Kurt Karlovich, says city employees were sent home for two days while the city hall undergoes a thorough cleaning. And I guess we'll use this one. The University of Notre Dame has become the second university to withdraw as host of one of this fall's three scheduled presidential debates amid the coronavirus pandemic. The university was set to host the inaugural face-off between President Donald Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden on September 29th. The nonpartisan Commission on Presidential Debates announced Monday that the first debate will now be hosted by Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland Clinic. 
like in Cleveland, so they could wheel. Wheel Joe in, so yeah, they wanted to go right in afterward, (laughs) right in both of them, right into the clinic afterward. In a release, Notre Dame president uh, said the necessary health precautions would have greatly diminished the educational value of hosting the debate. Oh yes, of course. (laughs) That makes me want to joke up too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I want to go to Cleveland Clinic. Uh, Okay, so we got emails. Yeah, our friend David uh, says to us again. Representative Keller did not state an opinion. It stated exactly: the CDC said schools should be open. He did not say, I believe the CDC said schools should be open, or make his statement as if it was his opinion. Therefore, it cannot be held that this was an opinion by Representative Keller. But if you read, David, as I did... this is Joe talking. uh, This is from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and it was updated July 23rd of 2020. The headline is, The Importance of Reopening America's Schools. And it says, in part, the best available evidence indicates that if children become infected, they are far less likely to suffer severe symptoms. Death rates among school-aged children are much lower than among adults. At the same time, the harms attributed to closed schools on the social, emotional, and behavioral health, economic well-being, and academic achievement of children in both the short and long term are well-known and significant. Further, the lack of in-person educational options disproportionately harms low-income and minority children and those living with disabilities. These students are far less likely to have access to private instruction and care, and far more likely to rely on key school-supported resources like food programs, special education services, counseling, and after-school programs to meet basic developmental needs. Now, that sounds to me like they're recommending the schools be open. As long as there's not an outbreak. They don't say that here, but they're saying that the kids are far less likely. I think on the whole, you know, they're saying the goal is to get kids into school. Yep, no argument there. Representative Keller was absolutely correct in that. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact, Jack. All right, so thank you for the email, but we'll take more comers. More emails, please, and more capital letters. Uh, Joe is in fine voice, so we appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) No, I didn't mean for you to yell. All right, uh, let's see. Read this. And then this. Okay. It says, good morning. How can someone go back to work when their company is not open? This virus has made this impossible. The people need this extra money. Our bills are the same. And that's true. They are. Not, um, not exactly, though. You wouldn't have gasoline costs for commuting. You wouldn't need nice clothes you could wear. Didn't you see that funny meme that somebody put out over the week? New budget, my new household budget. It said entertainment, zero. Uh, transportation, zero. Food, $25,000. <laughs> you know, that's right. what people are spending money on right now. Well, and uh, one of our good local listeners said yesterday that uh, they were seriously considering buying a new vehicle, but now they're not going to because they're not commuting. They're working from home. So they didn't want to buy a new vehicle and park it in the driveway and just leave it there, all they, you know, except once or twice a week. You don't get to hear Gordon Deal. I know you're very busy in the morning when I he's hear on. Bits and pieces, okay. yeah. Heard him this morning. They were talking about the fact that large screen television sets, over 65 inches and larger, have increased in sales over 160 percent. I think it said. Oh dear. So since the pandemic started, uh, so I mean, people are spending money on things that are enabling them to enjoy their homes more. 
they're not able to take vacations. As you say, they're not they're not driving as much, but yet uh, the car business, I think, is picking up rather dramatically because people sense this is a good time to get a great deal. Right. Well, yeah, plus you have the end of 2020. You know, the right. uh, some of the car dealers have 2021 models already on board. Really? I this know, early? Yep, yep, yep. I uh, talked to Sunbury Motors about this the other day, and he said the 2021 Ranger is right around the corner. Used to be every September the new cars would come out and all the television commercials would be on the air for them. Now I think they roll them out over the course of the year, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, one of the fine local auto dealers around here has a stack of 2021s. I forget which model it is, but it's uh, you know one of the popular cars around here. Uh, let's read this email, and then as requested, we'll forward it to the congressman. Okay. Please ask the congressman how Jerry Nadler can say there is no violence in Portland and Seattle. Nadler says that Antifa is not attacking the federal properties. He must be watching CNN, and to think Nadler is the chairman of the Judiciary Committee and is going to question Barr today about federal uh, police action in Portland. I guess uh, he'll call Barr a liar about those actions. Well, Stan, I think actually uh, uh, Secretary Barr, or Attorney General Barr, is speaking before the Senate, not the House, so Nadler won't get a chance to question him today. All right, another read and that top says, one, and then we'll be Good done. morning. I'm not hiding. I'm riding with Biden. Jump in and make the USA united, not divided. Oh, I like Thanks, that. Thanks, Bob. That's catchy. Yeah, you can get I'm in the wheelchair. I'm not wheel- hiding. I'm riding with Biden. You Jump can, in and make the U.S. united, not divided. You can <laughs> get in the wheelchair with him as he's wheeled into the, uh, <laughs> what was that place you said <laughs> he was going to be? Uh, the uh, uh, Cleveland Clinic. Cleveland Clinic. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that clears us, clears the board. It certainly does. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com. Bobby's going to be the last caller before a quickie break. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Go Hello. Ahead. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm going to say good morning, everyone. Ah. You are. You know, you know, okay, as far as, like, uh, uh, like reopening the schools and that... Um, uh, I, I'm going to say to limit to limit space. Uh, of course, like you know, separate the classes. Of course, uh, uh, as far as your you know, as far as your grades go, you know, especially when it comes to the um, you know elementary level and that uh, versus like your high schools and stuff. Of course, your high schools uh, you know could offer like labs and things that your your elementary schools uh, don't you know don't offer. So I I think before they start, um, I mean each area, um, whether it's private or public, and that ought to ought to look into uh, uh, basically how to start the class, or I'm going to say how to restart the classes. Well, I think superintendents have been obsessing over that this summer. Uh, yeah, have you been awake? That's exactly we, uh, what they're doing. We texted yeah. the, we texted the Shikolami superintendent yesterday about a question, and, and he he got back to us in the evening. He said this was the first free moment he had all day. So they are definitely doing that, figuring out how to get uh, students socially distanced, how to make sure that uh, the idea of wearing face masks can happen, keeping teachers safe. Um, heard one... Fine local physician recently say that uh, there's no cases that, that are known anyway where a student gave uh, coronavirus to a teacher. You know, they may pass it among students, but uh, going up the chain hasn't been something that has happened. So, but yeah, this is the issue well, it's of a our balance. Day. It's a balancing act. There's no question about it. From the standpoint of getting the kids back into school, their mental health, and all the things the CDC points out, it's worth, I, I don't know how big a risk it is. In other words, if you could, if you could assess a 
a risk. Look at insurance companies. Maybe they're the people we should ask about this. Yes. All day long, they assess <laughs> risks and put a monetary value on the risk. I'd like to know if an insurance company would insure me sending my kid back to school and what the policy would cost and what they estimate the odds to be. I don't know, but if you go to parents and say, uh, we're trying to determine if we should open the school, so we brought in some life insurance underwriters, I'm not sure that'll send the right message to parents. J- just saying. Uh, no. Dale, you'll be the last caller before the quickie break. You're on the mark. I'm just looking at uh, what the pandemic is, and uh, I'm really starting to think now that the pandemic is a version of the Republicans of the Green New Deal, because basically Democrats wanted to shut down global, you know, commerce to, you know, to help the planet. So I think that this is the Republicans' version, and the Republican version is based upon corporations' survival large corporations. So I just want to say our senators right now are trying to keep their seats warm by helping out corporations. And Congress is trying to keep their seats warm by helping out PR, which are basically law firms, you know. So small mom and pop businesses and all I got ain't going to get nothing. So our representatives, we got senators taking care of corporations and we got Congress taking care of the PR situations. That they're, they're two big places that are getting funding. Everybody else is just going to have to, you know, tighten up their budgets. I mean, what I see is the only solution is to stop this madness and this craziness is just to claim everyone should just stop paying taxes and claim exemptions until we get <laughs> rep- representatives who are going to actually represent the people. Fair enough. All you have to do is give Congress money, and they're going to give it to these law firms to control the PR. Well, let me let me let me say you're not going to hear anybody saying help. Dale, let me let me correct something for a minute here. I made a big mistake. I I just checked my own facts, and I I swear I heard this morning them say Attorney General Barr would be testifying before the Senate, but it is before the House Judiciary Committee today. So I want to correct that so we don't leave anybody with a false impression. Right. One of our texters says definitely it's the House Judiciary Committee. You dumbhead. <laughs> I looked it up. Uh, so did I when when I when okay, it was questioned. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? Well, I think he's going to justify what actions he's taken. He's going to say the president is right and that uh, there are more criminals who they plan to oh, well, uh, pardon and let him out of jail and so on. Okay, when they show you these clips of people riding, they zoom in really close. Do they ever zoom out and show you the real big picture, or they just want you to look at a small frame? What's the and real big we, picture? What, what do you the think? the credibility of, we, of our media, are they showing old clips or are they showing new clips? I mean, I understand, you know, that they, uh, it's called psychological warfare. It makes sure everybody's on edge. And I mean, I just put it this way. Is it the new Green New Deal? Come out and tell us the truth shut down commerce because of plant dying well, or is it is it really a uh, manufactured you know disease or you know i you, you got to try to look at the biggest biggest picture you well what's what's in this big picture up. you keep saying that we, we, the, we look at the rioters and they should pull back and we see the big picture what do you put they pull back the camera well, what, do you, just, what is it we're going to see maybe dying i just think the planet may be in the, well what know? are we going to see what's what's in that big picture you're telling us about that we're missing 
just get the truth. The truth is, is, is where it's at. Well, the I truth mean, is the rioters are throwing they, they things they at the police. Procrastinate, they want to procrastinate the truth. <laughs> Joe, so Joe, Joe, Joe. Withdraw all the capital out of our, our, you know, our system. Well, you're mixing so, me up because on one hand you're talking about the rioters and we're not seeing the full truth. And then when I ask you about that, you're talking about the economy and they want to shut it down for a Green New Deal. You've got oh, me I'm, out in the woods here, brother. I'm just, I'm just telling you, the marketers in Congress are paying you to look at these small frames and say, you know, it's it's just a big hustle, man. I just want to say, you feel as though our Congress is representing us? I mean, do you think that? He does. Probably? Yeah, Joe does. Um, well, not entirely. No, I don't entirely. Yeah. I mean, you've got to understand, Joe. Mom and Pop is uh, I, I know I do, Dale. I've got to make a bigger effort to understand And you know things. our law firms are the first one to get dibs on that uh, benefit money. You know that. Yeah, all, yeah the Bar Association, I know. All right, moving on. All right. Sure nobody hears the screen. You know that. Thank you so much. Appreciate Bar Association, the Appreciate tool the of the oppressed. We've got a caller standing by. We'll be right back. Trade in and trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia. From now until the end of the month, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you more. That's right, more than your car is worth. Take advantage of Kia's first ever trade-in assist bonus cash. Get an extra $1,500 on 3rd Row 2020 Serenos. There's 22 available with savings up to $7,025. SMC has an extra $1,000 on the versatile 2020 Sportages. There's 27 available with savings up to $4,655. Plus an extra $1,000 on the stylish 2020 Kia Soul. With 17 available and savings up to 44.24, the demand for quality pre-owned vehicles is at an all-time high. So stop in Sunbury Motors Kia for your upgrade today. Trade in, trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Retail trade and assist applies for model year 2000 or newer Kia or competitive model. Welcome back. WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Mark Lawrence here. Mr. Joe is directly across from me. I appreciate that. We have open phones right now. 1-800-795-9565. One of our listeners sends us a clipping. It says, U.S. Attorney General William Barr will deliver his highly anticipated testimony today in front of the House Judiciary Committee, where lawmakers have long awaited an opportunity to pepper him with questions about the Democratic alleged politicalization of the Justice Department, as well as a variety of other issues. Yeah, he's got a lot to answer right. for. Anticipating it will take about five hours. As in, as attorney. but they won't ask questions. The Democrats will just make a five-minute speech bemoaning how bad he is, and then the Republicans will make a five-minute speech about how good he is, and then at the end he'll just say yes or no. Is he the worst attorney general we've ever had? No, I think he's one of the better ones. What? To be honest with you. Oh my gosh! Ah, that's a good he's one. He's experienced. He's been there down. before. Oh, I, I got you. Okay, and that helps. Oh boy, uh, so much for the swamp theory, uh, Billy. Next caller. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Hi, good morning, guys. Hey, uh, I missed uh, Representative Keller uh, on the mark earlier today, and I was wondering, did he take a position on the HEALS Act, the latest spending no. plan revealed? We we covered, we talked about the, the uh, Senate plan that was unveiled. Is that called HEALS? Right. Okay, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, said, uh, we he... talked about it. I mean, I, I asked him about the fact that there was $1.5 in there for a new FBI headquarters, which I didn't think belonged. We talked about the uh, 
Oh, the amount of money for unemployment and... PPP. PPP. He said he wants it to have money for PPP. He wants to make sure that the unspent Pennsylvania billions of dollars are accounted for first. And uh, spent first. He would uh, vote for something that had an unemployment uh, payout that was maybe less, you know, definitely less than the $600. He, he mentioned the number $200, but something that would be less than $600. He also talked about the idea of a direct payment, but I didn't, I didn't hear if he favored it or not. But that'll be up yeah. in the archive after this show. Well, just wondering where he stands on these issues. I, I, uh, I'm very upset about this, this deficits that we have. You know, uh, Dick Cheney, back when he was vice president, said deficits don't matter. And I feel like uh, Trump and the Congress at this point, they're, they're trying to prove that Dick Cheney was right by spending more money. There's, there were more. There was a higher deficit in, I believe, in June of this year than the entire budget deficit for 2017. It's, you know, we're, we're spending money. I thought we were spending money uh, crazily irresponsibly before. Now it's like beyond imagination how much money we're, we're spending. And it's money we don't have. It's money we're either borrowing or we're printing. And people are going to see. No, I just think it's completely irresponsible for us to put this on our kids and grandkids. But Billy, no, put it on them in terms of them having to have pay raise taxes or just decrease purchasing power of the dollar. Billy, can you name me any politician who ever won election by saying we need to tighten our belts and do a better job of keeping expenses down? Billy, well, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Mark. Other than you, perhaps. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's as Calvin Coolidge used to say, that, you know, federal money is so attractive because it doesn't appear to belong to anybody, so the temptation to bestow it on someone is almost irresistible. Well, we look around. I mean, there's this huge call these days, especially from the left, about raising the minimum wage. Well, why why would we need to raise the minimum wage? Why? Because the purchasing power of our dollar has decreased because of deficit spending and just it it just continues to to roll on and on and on we spend money we don't have we enslave our children and our grandchildren we're either going to have to default at some point because the interest is going to be too high to pay or our we're going to have zimbabwe dollars basically well, I remember when and, uh, when uh, Congressman, well, it was House member, State House member Fred Keller first got nominated. I thought, oh, there's going to be a massive clash in Washington D.C. because he likes zero-based budgets, you know, and fought for them, and of course wouldn't vote for them if they weren't in Harrisburg, and uh, but then went to Harrisburg and guess went what? to Washington or went to Washington, and that was the that was the end of that. Although he did say a one trillion dollar deficit or uh, package is what he's leaning towards favoring at this time instead of what is it three trillion the democrats are proposing a little, over, little north of three trillion jeez louise yeah i mean i like fred a lot but i i do wish he'd take more of a stand of like he did when he was in the state house I, I do feel like since he's gone to congress you know we're seeing sort of the we're seeing a little more of go along to get along fred mm-hmm. and, and a little less of physically responsible fred so uh, Fred, I love you. Please come back to me. 
<laughs> we like the old Fred. Yeah, if we could have the old Fred in the new job, boy, we'd have something. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I always remember, Billy, I always remember when there was that big flap about the pay raises in the state state House and Senate, um, the midnight pay raises, if you recall them. And the late yeah. Representative Merle Phillips voted for it. And he was questioned about it. And he said, I'm in leadership. And if I didn't go along with the leadership, how long do you think I'd have my position? And I wouldn't be able to do as much for the people in my district. So, I mean, I think that it's great to be a maverick, but sometimes if you want to achieve anything, you've got to at least play ball with the powers that be. Bad deal, but that's the deal everybody makes when they get into federal office. Well, I'm not going to take the time to disagree with you on that today, Joe. <laughs> uh, Billy, Billy, do you have a second? Oh, sec- go ahead. Billy, do you have a second? I know you're super busy as the head of a company, but uh, do you have a moment or no? Sure, yeah, uh, you can go ahead. Your impression from the two rallies over the weekend that were held, one on Saturday, one on Sunday? Well, frankly, I mean, I think they're, they were very different. Um, they were both, uh, both about the First Amendment, um, but one was, one was railing against uh, oppression and harassment by folks that are upset about, one, about what someone said. And the other is were, in my mind, based on what I heard said on videos. I watched several videos of the event and on Sunday. You know, they're they're actually just railing against other people, not necessarily uh, against the you know oppression and harassment. They're sort of arguing to me for oppression and harassment. And even though the uh, they they come under the auspices of peace and love when you hear the chants they don't sound very peaceful and they don't sound very loving uh I, and and here i mean look at the outcome the outcome is that one raised $6600 for two actual for the families of two actual victims of crime while the other rally you had people just standing on street corners you know with signs about Victims of crime who cannot so, sign holding and awareness and uh, you know making our country a better place cannot raise up everybody rather than just two citizens. Well, I, yeah, I, I think for you know everyone that at both rallies I think stands truly for for the First Amendment, but I think that there's a, what I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is. One group is saying you shouldn't be harassed and oppressed for your opinion. The other group is basically saying we're ready to harass you if you have an opinion that's different from our own. And I don't think that's in the spirit of the First Amendment. We had a there was a petition signing at the first rally that was the one that was across the street from Wingers on Saturday. There was a petition that basically simply said we support freedom of conscience and freedom of speech as a right for every American, that they should be able to believe what they want and say what they want without threat of oppression or harassment. And I think that's something we all should be able to agree on. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, the left labels everything hate speech that they don't agree with. 
All right, we got you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your opinion and your observations. Yeah, thank, thank you, Billy. You. Thank you, Billy. Uh, Union Township Supervisor is where he's been elected, promising to do uh, fiscally responsible uh, spending, which is... Uh, if he fits right in on that board under under with that auspice. All right, we'll take a quickie break. We got our callers lined up. We will be right back. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live uh, Telephone uh, Talk Show. And we have a repeat call from the gentleman who coined the phrase 102, 26, and 1. Representative Keller? Hi, how you doing? All right. <laughs> Good to hear you again. Hey. Hey, I just happened to catch something, and, and, and Mark, you, you said something, and I guess I just want to make sure that, that, that you understand. Um, you know, when Billy said he wished he had the, the old Fred Keller back, I haven't changed. I told you last year I voted against those bills because they weren't good. I told you this year that I look at everything, and I'm the one that started to talk about how much we're putting debt onto our kids and grandkids. So I think, you know, Billy should have listened to the show. And which, Billy which he admitted like at the beginning he, he should did, call yeah. me. Rather than rather than you know, try and score points, I don't know what he's trying to do because I know uh, when I was talking about uh, Doctor Levine, he criticized how I did it and then turned around and did the same exact thing. So you know, I, I just guess I would say to Billy, uh, if you didn't hear the show and you want to know my position on something, call me. I'll tell you. Um, I haven't changed. Uh, I'm the same person I was, looking out for the fiscal dollars and everything else that goes on. As we did mention, we did notice we're in the middle of a pandemic. And uh, we did need to make sure that uh, the American families and small businesses had the resources they need. So, well, I think Billy's remarks were all in the spirit of uh, of positivity no, no, and Mark, moving said, forward. And you said it too. We wish we had the old Fred back. I haven't changed. Well, the deficit hawk Fred would have never voted for. What is it? How how much budget deficit have you voted for so far? What's that? What are the size of the deficit add-ons that you've approved so far? You've voted for so far, I and mean, it would be three trillion for the first set that I recall, but plus others. Mm-hmm. And actually, the choice was to do nothing, okay, Mark, and have our economy collapse or help businesses weather the storm. That's the choice. Right. right. There are no other choices. Well, no, yeah, but, you know, you're missing the point, and I've, I've said this about Fred before. The imperatives of being a congressman and being a state representative are entirely different. This is a much bigger Absolutely. stage that Fred has to deal with, and the imperatives, the things he needs to deal with, are much more critical in a lot of ways than anything he dealt with in the state house. And so right. he can't. He has right. to be. He can't just say, "Don't vote for anything." How long would you last if that's all you did down there, Fred? Everybody be after you. <laughs> right. And, and again, I don't. I, I look at each piece of legislation the same way I did before. And I look at w- what it's going to do and, and what the impacts are. And I make those decisions. There isn't anybody that influences those decisions other than the people I represent in PA-12. Same way I, I looked at the legislation and the decisions I made affected the people of PA-85 when I was in the State House. All right, we got same, you. Same decisions, same person, same values. And I look at that. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for the response. Appreciate I, that. I just wanted to make sure that was clear, Mark, because you you, you said something that wasn't correct, and I'm, you, and due to the fashion, I call people out, right? And uh, hey, that's and I'm, my, I'm that's the same my person as I was, Fred. That's I just, again uh, the the Heels Act is one that's still being negotiated. As I mentioned, that it's still being negotiated. Uh, there's things in it I do not like. I'm going to be t- I'm totally honest with you on that whole thing. But I'm not going to give you a position on the bill until I see the text of it. There's there's a thing that I've always done, too, is making sure that I 
I read the legislation and know what's in it. What's your view on the idea so, of another another single payout to, to individuals? You mentioned it, but I didn't quite catch your response well, to that idea. I, what, what we're looking at and what we should not be doing is shoveling cash out the door when we have a lot of money that's already been appropriated and has been put out there. Uh, you, you know, looking at what we need to do, whatever we do needs to be very targeted to helping fight the effects of the coronavirus. If there's other things in there that don't do that, we need to really make sure we get those out of there. That's that's what we need to be looking at. All right, we got you. All right, thank you so much. Hey, we're having in-person visitors in August. And incidentally, Fred, keeping Mark straight and correcting his mistakes is my full-time job. it's not a mistake. (laughs) It's just my opinion. It's not wrong. You may dispute it. You're entitled to your own opinions, but not your own facts. Right, no argument there. All right, (laughs) thanks, Fred. Thank you so much. Uh, Mike, our next caller, thank you so much for checking in. You're on the mark. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I've taken a little bit of a hiatus from the mainstream media. And this morning, I kind of violated that. I was channel <laughs> surfing, and I stopped on MSNBC for a second. And now this is important. I think, Mark, you're going to – well, both of you can help me, but I think specifically you, Mark. The uh, AP reporter on MSNBC said that Donald Trump is sending signals to white voters. <laughs> now, I'm a white voter – but like I said, I haven't been watching the news, so I missed this signal, but I'm counting on you, Mark. Tell me what signal Donald Trump has sent to white voters oh, boy. recently. <laughs> I don't, the first answer is simply, I don't know. But I heard that, too, just because of the different tweets or the things that he says or the way that he says them or the, the things. Dog whistles. Uh, right. The, the <laughs> stuff that, uh, you know, the, to whom whatever his message is directed to uh, is, but is his base is white. So that's what. You know, I think they're really talking about most of his base is white. So that's so, you know, everything he does that relates to, um, you know, sort of this law and order thing, this uh, us versus them versus the uh, protesters in Portland, which may be perfectly necessary to do what the U.S. is doing. I'm not, you know, I I certainly don't know all the facts about what's going on there. But this law and order uh, stance is a uh, you know is is one of those ideas okay well if you'll forgive me i was trying to bait you and rope you in i i do believe you know from research of my own i i think i know what they're talking about <clears throat> in 2015 obama instituted a new rule to the housing and urban development and it's very complicated it's called affirmatively furthering fair housing rule okay it's a f f h so for your listeners that you know want to really drill down and find out what's happening in this uh, debate, it's called AFFH. And it's a ruse, and it, the ruse is they uh, want to socially engineer our society and get higher taxes. And it all started uh, when the cities started uh, losing white people. It was called white flight, okay? That was a very common phrase when I was younger. It's called the white flight people leaving the cities, making a choice to get out. And now the cities are hurting. And so what they need to do is two things. One, they need to get the money from the people that left the cities. That's one thing. And another thing is they want to control just about every aspect of the uh, suburban areas and the rural areas. And to do that, what they do is they tell these areas, and actually it's already started in, uh, believe it all, in, uh, I believe it was White Plains, New York, I think the, uh, the example is. They come in there and they say, if you want to keep getting federal money, you need to make sure that there is no uh, 
segregation in your community. And by doing that, they tell these communities, you have to measure your uh, population, and if you have more white people than the country as a whole, you've got to build uh, high-density uh, housing projects and things like that. Otherwise, you're not getting any federal money for your roads. You're not getting any federal money for your schools. And furthermore, we're going to control your schools. The rule is AFFH, and it's very important, and that is what the Democrats are all upset because Donald Trump plans to use this in his campaign to let the people know that he stands for freedom and choice, and the Democrats do not. And that is what the signal that he has supposedly sent uh, the people. And they're trying to tie it in with the death of, uh, what's his name, John Lewis, that uh, Trump, you know, dissed him and everything. But it's not about that. It's about something that, you know, the main majority of people can relate to, and that's the A. I have to look at my screen here. It is the AFFH. That was a rule that while the economy was floundering in 2015 still, Obama and his people decided that they are going to socially engineer the suburbs and the rural areas and get the money that people left the cities with and bring it back to the cities to rebuild them. And that's, that's what uh, I have to say. I believe that instead of focusing on smearing everybody, we need to look at the way this country works because that last guy you had on there, Fred Keller, he is doing a heck of a job. He understands we have a large, complex country, and we can't rule this country by sound bites. All right. We got you. Thank you so much, Good Mike. points. Thank you, yeah. Mike. You're Appreciate right. the call. one 800 we got one call coming in. We've got a couple of emails. got a couple of texts, but I want to tell you about... Sunbury Motor, Motor Company. Company yes. <laughs> all right. First of all, first and foremost, this is the big news. Visit sunburymotors.com to see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, and Hyundai inventory. I did it yesterday. It's over 200 cars. It took forever to sift through them on my car or on my phone, but I'll tell you what, I looked at every single one of them, and they got some nice vehicles there with some nice price. They got some... And by the uh, way, they're, you're giving them a bad name down there hanging around so much. You know, they're starting to get at complaints, right? right? I know. I heard that. Thank you. Strange-looking guy over they there circling in every it, car window. Since it was hot. They told me to go stand under the tent around the back of the building. <laughs> so they do have a tent back there. Yeah, but anyway, the pre-owned inventory is perfect as well. Everything is washed and lined up and ready. You get to enjoy a perfect vehicle. You can select your perfect vehicle online, purchase it online. They'll deliver it online. You just uh, click on your mouse and the car appears in front of your home. And that's because the Sunbury Motor Company has a perfect way to make sure that uh, you're given an opportunity to be super served the same way hundreds of uh, people have been super served by the Sunbury Motor Company in the past. Rare opportunities for you to save money as the 2020 model year is waning. An opportunity for you to uh, go look at the vehicles. Don't do it this afternoon when it's waning, but you'll be able to do it as soon as that stops. When it's waning? Sunbury. We're going to have some wane this afternoon? We are. Strong storms, they're saying. Thank you, Elmer. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Quickie break. We'll be right back. Trade in and trade up at Sunbury Motors Key. From now until the end of the month, Sunbury Motors Kia will give you more. That's right, more than your car is worth. Take advantage of Kia's first ever trade-in assist bonus cash. Get an extra $1,500 on 3rd Row 2020 Serenos. There's 22 available with savings up to $7,025. SMC has an extra $1,000 on the versatile 2020 Sportages. There's 27 available with savings up to $4,655. Plus an extra $1,000 on the stylish 2020 Kia Soul. 
vehicles with 17 available and savings up to 4424. The demand for quality pre-owned vehicles is at an all-time high. So stop in Sunbury Motors Kia for your upgrade today. Trade in, trade up at Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip in Hummel's Wharf. Retail trade and assist applies for model year 2000 or newer Kia or competitive model. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Dial us up, 1-800-795-9565. Email us at onthemark at WKOK.com or text us at 70236, one of our good dialers and an occasional co-host, Billy Allred, back on the line. Good morning, sir. Go right ahead. For your extra minute of fame. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to respond for my one minute. Uh, look, I... I, I've said in the past on this show, you guys know I've been very supportive of Fred and uh, and cha- a champion of his. I was one of the first people in Union County to come out in support of him when he ran for Congress the first time, or when he ran for state rep the first time. But I I do disagree with his premise that he hasn't changed because even if you look at spending bills that haven't been um, or bills that have associated spending that haven't been just associated with COVID. You see that he has voted for some of them, and I, I reject this, this falsity that, there's, there, that he'd be the only one voting against these bills. There is a very fiscally conservative group in Congress. It's called the Freedom Caucus, and they do have sway because there's quite a few of them. They'd have more sway if there were more of them, and I, I wish Fred would align himself more with that group. Scott Perry representative just south of here is part of that group and uh they they do vote much more fiscally conservative and i'd like to see fred in that group and he has my number i'm happy to talk to him i've tried to talk to him about the prime act and some other things and just don't get too much of a response anymore now that he's gone to congress i know he's busy and i know he's trying to do the best job for his constituents i can appreciate and respect that but i'm just saying Again, I repeat what I said the first time, Fred, I love you, but <laughs> I feel like you've moved a little more towards the center, and I'd like to have you back on my side on the right. What about the CARES Act saving the nation? You know, we were headed to into the pandemic with massive unemployment, and the federal government did something that only the federal government can do, borrow from our great-great-grandchildren and prop up the economy with all kinds of help and stimulus and Things of PPPs and all kinds of things along that line. Which a very conservative Republican president signed into law. What if we hadn't done that? Well, there were other options. I mean, the way the bill was was put forward was to give $600 to folks on top of um, their unemployment, which means, as I pointed out on this program, anyone making less than $22 an hour actually made more on unemployment than they made before COVID. So there was the option of not doing that, of only having the added benefits go up to 100% of what they would have been making, which I think would have been a lot more fiscally responsible, would have saved us money, and would have incentivized people to go back to work rather than wanting to stay home on unemployment rather than work. Okay. All right. Well, to be continued, thank you so much, Billy. Like I said, we hope to have more guests in studio in August. We'll see how that works out. We have such great low numbers of COVID around here. We think that's a, 
a safe and sound move. So hopefully you'll get one of those invitations. Thank you so much. Uh, Billy Allred, uh, Winfield resident, uh, one of the leaders of the Buffalo Valley page on Facebook, which has a wide range of information from all sides of important topics posted there. So you can uh, read some of the opinions that are there, and you'll be all the wiser. One of our listeners sends a note, says, I was hoping Dan would call once again and tell us how a president who brags about passing a dementia Alzheimer's test and who knows the difference between a lion and a camel and an elephant and can repeat five words, person, woman, man, camera, TV, is going to make Joe Biden look bad. I need a good laugh. I think the reason he'll do that is because Joe Biden can't pass that test. (laughs) Oh, I certainly can. That's not even funny. It's, it's, It's rude to make fun of people with Alzheimer's. You should not do that. Uh, I'm not he, making fun of them. I'm making fun of Joe Biden. Right. And he doesn't have Alzheimer's. I, did I didn't see say one, he did. I did see one funny meme associated with this that showed a picture so of... This guy is making fun of the president. Uh, That's okay, right? It's okay to make fun of no, the president, but not president, Joe Biden? No, he said the president passed it and that Joe Biden would not. He said he needs a good laugh. Why would he laugh if it weren't poking fun? Funny meme shows a picture <laughs> of Coco, the gorilla that was taught to speak using sign language, and Jane Goodall conversing together in one half of the image and the other half is President Trump's explaining what his, that he passed this uh, cognitive test was, and and it says, what do the President and Coco have in common? They can pass this uh, McClatchy test. But here's the thing. We have two very relatively old, and I don't want to say that because I'm younger than one. And And older than the other. Older than the other. But we have two relatively older candidates for President of the United States. If Biden were elected, he would be the oldest man ever elected President, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay, yeah. Up to this point, I think it was Ronald Reagan, but now I think it would be Joe Biden. I'm not so certain that it wouldn't be Donald Trump, too, because, what, Trump's 74, 75, somewhere in that neck of the woods at the time. So what do the two major parties give us? Two old white men. You know, you're always talking about diversity and spreading it out. There were a lot of people who ran in the campaign. Uh, I would have liked to have seen somebody like Andrew Yang given a chance, Tulsi Gabbard. Yes, I know these are Democrats, and they are uh, more moderate, I think, than some of the others. And and I was surprised, frankly, somebody didn't challenge the president seriously. Bill Weld challenged him, but Bill Weld wasn't a serious anywhere. contender. He had no, none of his. Well, and I think having the pandemic during the primary squelched it still further. So people that might have had an opportunity to run against didn't get an opportunity to hold rallies and to get their their word out. I mean, if you ask people to name, if you didn't just name him, and he's been in the right. news lately. So well, the good thing is Mike Pence about. Mike Pence would be an outstanding president if he worst should happen, and maybe Biden will pick somebody good, too. Almost everyone would be a better president than the one we're enjoying <laughs> oh, right now. Oh, come on. But to be continued tomorrow. We have emails and texts we did not get a chance to read, so we will read them tomorrow. And we have open phones uh, tomorrow. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. WKOK News Time. It's 10 o'clock. Time for Dan Patrick.